Hey everybody, welcome to the Boozy Bracketology Podcast. My name is Chris, and this is just a heads up. We took the month of December off from recording. We do have material for you here. We hope you enjoy these two mini brackets. These brackets were actually first posted over on our Patreon exclusive feed. So for the month of January, you're going to have the best Nirvana song bracket. It is a 16 seed bracket. And then for the second half, we're going to go back into movies. We're going to be looking at the best Kevin Smith movie. We got some passionate people here ready to debate. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll be back with brand new full 32 seed brackets in February. For now, enjoy Nirvana. And I'm screaming, and I don't know what I'm singing. Crank the volume, ears are bleeding, and I still don't know what I'm singing. We're so loud and incoherent. Boy, this oughta bug your parents. Yeah. Welcome to the Boozy Bracketology Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we are here to determine the best Nirvana song ever made. As Mike put it in one of our previous episodes, the 90s didn't start till Smells Like Teen Spirit came out in 1992. Because they jump-started the 90s, we are going to be determining what, in fact, is the best Nirvana song ever made. Now, before we get into this, a couple of disclaimers. One... Um, this is not going to be a full 64 episode. This is going to be two episodes. We're going to start with a 16, with a sweet 16. That'll be episode one. Episode two will be the eighth of the championship round. The second update here. This is a little bit of a different format. We are still having buzzer beaters, but we're not limiting you to one per. If it's a tie game, you can lodge a buzzer beater. Third note here. We only have three panelists tonight. Uh, for these smaller brackets, I don't feel the need to pull in five different people to do this. We're going to do it with three, and those three are three people that you like. I guarantee you like at least two of them. Speaking of people that you like, let's bring this out to North Carolina. Jeff, my friend, how you doing, and what do you think of Nirvana? Well, I'm doing all right, and I've, I love Nirvana. I think uh, I've got into 90s rock i get into rock and roll really a little bit late uh i i didn't get into rock really while nirvana was still around uh i was still listening to country and oldies all the way through middle school and of course kurt cobain died when uh uh when i was in seventh grade uh and it was only later when i started listening to dc 101 up in the uh, uh, D.C. area. Uh, um, Got to get a shout out to my hometown radio station. <laughs> uh, they started playing all of this stuff that uh, that I really just started enjoying. And uh, I got into the Unplugged album at first. Uh, and then from there, uh, all the other stuff was still uh, just uh, became really appealing. And so, yeah, I'm happy to help determine what the best uh, Nirvana song is. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to our, uh, our bracket tonight. This is going to be fun. Jeff, what's in your glass, my friend? What is in my glass is uh, interesting. I just tapped a, uh, a nice keg of the West Coast IPA from R&D Brewing right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, the uh, uh, It's... A beer style that I'm not usually into. I don't drink a ton of IPAs, not a hop head, but this is not super bitter. It's uh, it's almost vit beery with a little extra hops. Uh, really got a, a, a great flavor to it. That sounds delicious. I'm not even an IPA guy, but I, I would I would drink that if for no other reason than I really want to drink beer again at some point. <laughs> neither here nor there. Speaking of neither here nor there, we're going to bring it out to there and definitely not here. Reno, Nevada. Sarah, how you doing? And what do you think of Nirvana? I am doing well. And honestly, I think Nirvana sucks. And Chris's opening is the best Nirvana I've ever heard in my life. 
So, I mean, if we could vote you number one, I already crowned you a champion. That was wonderful. I do, I do love Nirvana. I was an angsty teenager. And I'm excited about this bracket because I'm going to be honest with you. I did something different this time. I listened to all the songs and then I went and I found live recordings of all the songs. And it honestly changed my opinion on two of them. So I'm pretty excited about this. And to help me along the way tonight, I have a Great Basin Wild Horse Amber Ale. I'm a big fan of the Amber Ales. And this is my favorite. And it's out of a local brewery here in Nevada, the Great Basin Brewery. Uh, Chris has been there. It's a wonderful place. It's my favorite place. I pretty much only get beer from there. And it's worth it every single time. Yeah, we didn't. We only had the one like craft brew when we were out there. But the Great Basin Brewery in Reno is amazing. Not only is the beer phenomenal, the food there is top notch. Not a sponsor of the Boozy Bracketology podcast, but we are open to it. You don't even need to pay us. Just send some beer to Clearwater, Florida, <laughs> or just you know a few miles in Reno, Nevada. I'll take it. Um, I'll share. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to share. No, you're not. But uh, Great Basin, good job. Good, good, good job. Speaking of good jobs, let's take it off to our screw job of the bracket in Huntsville, Alabama. Mike, try not to spill that beer while you tell me how you're doing and what do you think of Nirvana? <laughs> no, uh, so very similarly to Jeff, actually, Nirvana is a band I discovered uh, much later than I really probably should have. Uh, I was uh, 13 when Cobain died, so... Really, I was a li little young, but still d very much of the age where I could have been listening to Nirvana. But I was walking around middle school and there was, you know, there were definitely some people that were really into Nirvana at the time and really depressed by that whole situation. I had no clue what was going on. Like I was off in my own. Actually, what I was primarily listening to at the time was much closer to uh, Weird Al Yankovic, which uh, Chris gloriously opened the uh episode four although he he by pronouncing incoherent the way that he did he kind of ruined the rhyme with parents um i did <laughs> and and it's it was interesting that you chose to start there instead of well we don't sound like madonna here we are now we're nirvana which which would have made it a little more clear to those a little less in the know about mr yankovic what the hell was going on <laughs> but I just like ripping on our host. No, but Nirvana was a band. I can't, I discovered a lot of bands that came after them and then came back to Nirvana and realized just how much they had provided the underpin for so much of that, that had happened and grew to just completely love their entire discography. So, uh, I, I'm also excited. I, I'm the one that put together this bracket. And as I was telling, uh, Chris before, just a little before we started recording, was going back through listening to all the songs, making sure that I had my opinions solidified and just happened to also make the mistake of playing some other songs that aren't on the bracket that because I couldn't fit them in and being like, damn it, I wish I could have fit this song into the bracket. So uh, lots of tough choices here tonight. Uh, I will be very interested to see how this plays out. And uh, tonight I am drinking. Uh, we got a little bit of snowfall here in Huntsville, Alabama, so it seemed like a, a good time for what you might call a campfire beer. This is, I'm kicking the four-pack here. Uh, this is my last can of Dino S'mores, an Imperial Marshmallow Stout, uh, which is very delicious and a fantastic cold weather beer. Okay, I had a question I was going to ask you, but now all I can think about is I need that beer in my life. Holy crap, that sounds amazing. That's so good. Yeah, it's from Off Color Brewing. They are out of uh, Chicago. That's right. I was thinking they were a Chicago beer. So you at least occasionally visit the place where they're brewed. So you might be able to find them relatively easily if you can't find them in Tampa. Well, uh, if we ever get to travel again, uh, Chicago well, yes. will be on that list um, because Cubs, baseball, duh. Mike, I wanted to ask you, though. We had a conversation where you had mentioned earlier that, oh, man, I should have put in play in games. What were the four songs you would have added to this list that did not make the cut? The uh, four songs that I would have added was um, and this just will also give you all a little preview of the songs that didn't make the cut, which shows how hard it was for the ones that did make the cut. I would have added Lounge Act, 
which is actually one of my favorite album tracks off of uh, Nevermind. That would have been a little bit of a personal indulgence. Um, I would have added something in the way, which was a very, very difficult cut. Uh, and I, I would have had it going up against uh, a song off of In Utero that, call, that has a similar, uh, more mellow acoustic type of vibe to it. Uh, I would have had Negative Creep, which is a uh, song off of Bleach, their first album. Uh, I did make sure to in this bracket, one of the goals that I had was to fit in at least one song off of every album. Uh, and that also includes Incesticide, which was the B-side album. Uh, one of the songs that I would have had on there is actually uh, my and Jeff's former uh, college roommate, Ben's. It's his favorite uh, non-single non uh, song by Nirvana, uh, which is Sliver. Uh, which just narrowly missed the cut. Yeah, we've got some really tough decisions, and the fact that those didn't make the list is a little shocking to me. But then I looked at the bracket, and I'm like, no, this totally makes sense. Like, these are the 16 songs that deserve to be here. What do you cut? That's the that's the difficulty. Uh, there's one I would yeah, cut, and then, and I'm going to save, save that to myself. It, Jeff, what do you I think? I understand, but... And you yeah. added added those other four songs, and we still didn't get to breed. <laughs> <laughs> I just That's wanted also, to talk about how hilarious I find the lyric you can plant a house you can build a tree <laughs> I love I lo oh god I love that <laughs> we've talked about it on the show before but Kurt Cobain did have a really good sense of humor so yeah all right we're gonna jump right in your order tonight is gonna be Jeff then Sarah then Mike and we are going to go it's best out of three and we're gonna start in the top left corner of your Sweet 16 bracket, the one seed, Smells Like Teen Spirit, taking on the often controversial eight seed, Rape Me. Jeff, get us started. Well, I think, uh, of course, we all think of Rape Me from that one incident. I think it was the MTV Music Awards when he promised I will not play this song and then immediately started playing it for about 30 seconds until going into a different song. I think he ended up turning it into dumb, uh, if I, I don't totally remember. But it, it ended up as, it being a different song, which is fine by me because Rape Me is a song that I've always felt was just kind of there. Uh, I, I, I think... Uh, I never had strong feelings about it one way or the other, despite the uh, the massive controversy that came along with it. Of course, it's up against an absolute classic and smells like teen spirit, uh, a truly unfortunate uh, bump in the round of 32 in our 90s alt rock bracket. Uh, probably one of our hardest decisions in that whole bracket. Uh, and I think it needs to be redeemed. So I'd like to move smell like smells like teen spirit on from this one. Well, Jeff is, of course, referring to the 16 to 1 upset when Santa Monica upset Smells Like Teen Spirit in the round of 64. No, no, that didn't happen, even though it should have. Sarah, let it what go, do you Elsa. Think? I, yeah, I actually also was going to start out and bounce right off of Jeff there. It kind of hurt my heart that uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit it got bumped in the 90s bracket and fairly early. And I, I think everyone kept saying it's overplayed it's overplayed and i a classic song like this i don't if it's a great song i don't know that it gets overplayed i songs that i love i can hear them a million times and i still love them this i don't know that this is in that category of them but every time this song comes on i do rock out and i love this song and i i think if you need to introduce somebody to nirvana you introduce them with this song. That's kind of a given. Rate me again. It just it wasn't my favorite. I so yeah, absolutely. I I 100% moving smells like Teen Spirit on. Mike, are we having a sweep on our hands for the first pick? Yeah, it's gonna be a sweep. Um, yeah, like like Jeff. Actually, the first thing I think of when I think of the song "Rape Me" is that incident. And I'm pretty sure it was the MTV uh, Music Awards. I'm pretty sure that was also the same performance where uh, Nova Selleck throws the bass up into the air and it comes down and hits him on the head. <laughs> and then Dave Grohl grabs the microphone and starts going, "Hey, where's Axel? Where's Axel?" Because like they, I guess they'd gotten into it with Guns N' Roses right before there. 
I might be mistaking. Those are a couple different stories that, that, that might've all just dovetailed, but I'm pretty sure those all happened in that performance. Um, and like, but like Jeff, I, I remember that, you know, starting to, starting to play that opening riff to rape me before going into the actual song they played. And I don't remember what the actual song they played was just because that part was so crazy. Um, but yeah, all that being said, uh, this is definitely smells like teen spirit to me. Um, my the first time I remember hearing about about rape me was the uh, like Walmart refused to uh, sell the in utero album without like there was an edit for this particular that particular song. Uh, I think they called it waste me instead or something like that. Um, so it definitely courted controversy and definitely got noticed from that perspective. Uh, and given that notoriety, it was the main reason that I felt like it needed to be on this bracket. It's clearly no smells like teen spirit. We'll talk more about smells like teen spirit in the next round. Moving on. And that we will. And I noticed uh, as we jump in here into the bracket, I noticed no one asked me what I'm drinking, you selfish bastards. We only want Mike's beer. It's <laughs> a valid point. That's a valid point. Smells sorry, like sorry. Teen Spirit is moving on. We are on to our four versus five matchup. The four seed, the man who sold the world, taking on the five seed, Lake of Fire. We are starting... You with, can't tease us like that, dude. You got to tell us what you're drinking first. I'm drinking whiskey. Oh, okay. No, uh, so I've got a bottle. Uh, the local liquor store had it actually buy one, get one free. And when I saw that, I'm like, no, this is not a buy one, get one free bottle of liquor. This is actually a really solid bottle. So I bought one and got one free. Um, this is Uncle Nearest 1856 Tennessee whiskey. Uh, it is a, like, I'm drinking it straight. It's a solid whiskey. And the fact that I got it, you know, BOGO. At 50 bucks a bottle, I'm not complaining. You know, you're talking about a $25 bottle. This is much, much better than a $25 bottle. Uncle Nearest awesome. is a good, good, solid bottle of $50 whiskey. Enjoy it when you can get it. Or you can get it anywhere because it's not all that rare, but it's a solid bottle. But we are over again to repeat myself. The man who sold the world, the four seed, the five seed, Lake of Fire. Sarah, take us away. I feel like it's a little apropos that I get to start this one because in my opening, this is one of the brackets that changed my mind when I saw the two live performances and possibly because it has Dave Grohl in a turtleneck and like a ponytail and it's awesome. But I think the man who sold the world, I think that was a Bowie song, if I'm not mistaken. and. I'm going to be concise here just because, again, what really sold me is I watched these two live. I listened to everything off just the regular track, and then I watched the live performances. And there's just something that the way that they did The Men Who Sold the World, even though it is a cover, and I you know, I have a hard time voting covers generally from the original, I'm going to have to put my vote on The Men Who Sold the World and also Dave Grohl in the Ponytail and a Turtleneck. That's a vote for the man who sold the world. Mike, is Sarah right? Um, so this, actually, when I, these are the, uh, I debated, actually. I'll start off by saying, like, should I put the covers on or should I stick to just Nirvana originals? And I, I felt that, yeah, I had to put, these are the, the unplugged performance is iconic. And part of what made it iconic is that they covered so many songs on that unplugged. They made them their own. And I feel like they are part of the quintessential Nirvana catalog. You can't really say that about very many bands, uh, live acoustic performance type of albums. So I absolutely had to put both of these on. And both of these are songs that when I first heard them, had no idea that they were covers. I was a, you know, a rock and roll neophyte. Uh, and, uh, you know, I heard Man Sold the World a lot on the radio. So the radio usually cuts out before Cobain goes. That was a David Bowie song, making it very clear that it's that that is uh, clever. Um, and then I didn't see the video that Sarah's talking about until many years later, where they actually had the meat puppets join them on stage to play Lake of Fire. Uh, oh, me and Plateau, I think, were the other two they did. Um and which is really, really cool that they were like, this is this other band that we really like. They're, you know, they're not really as well known as we are, but we just want to bring them on and jam with them and have some fun. That whole performance is absolutely iconic. Um, 
I think ultimately I agree with Sarah, though. I think The Man Who Sold the World is the more iconic performance. Uh, I actually like I know this is blast. This is probably blasphemy. I ah, I don't I like both versions of The Man Who Sold the World. I really like the David Bowie version, too. Uh, but I love I love the way Cobain sings it. Um, and that the, the little gradually escalating guitar solo at the end is very cool. Um I will say uh, Lake of Fire is my go-to song every time uh, I think of Duluth. Uh, so I'll immediately start singing, and I knew a lady who came from Duluth and confusing a lot of people, certainly my wife, who uh, is not as, nearly as well-versed in alternative rock. But I, I am going to give my vote to uh, the man who sold the world here as well. Uh, I know a lot of people really like Lake of Fire, and I really like Lake of Fire too, but man who sold the world just gets a little bit of an edge for me on that one. Unfortunately, they can't sell Lake of Fire to our judges. Jeff, what do you think? So I mentioned earlier that I wasn't into rock that much in the early 90s, but my cousin actually was uh, a a cousin from uh, uh, he lived in uh, Mena, Arkansas at the time, and uh, he was coming up to visit uh, up to visit us and he put on this album and said, Hey, you, you need to listen to this, this album. And the song that he actually started out with is it was Nirvana's unplugged album. The song that he introduced that album, uh, to me with was Lake of fire. I always associate Lake of fire with, with my cousin now. And I had a lot of positive, uh, memories of, of that song. And it, it was almost my introduction to Nirvana in, in many ways. Uh, it's a great song, uh, good, great song choice, and uh, it is pretty impressive that you know you can take two covers like the songs we have here, and uh, basically we all now think of them as Nirvana songs. Like when the Bowie original comes on Pandora now, "A Man Who Sold the World," it's just kind of like, oh, it's that Nirvana song that Bowie happened to do ten years earlier. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and the fact that Nirvana was able to do that with a musician as talented and impressive as David Bowie <laughs> says something about Nirvana's musicianship and just general all-around ability as a uh, as a band. Um, I'm going to give my vote to Lake of Fire here just so it's not a unanimous uh, decision, just so it can represent how difficult this decision actually is. But, you know, beyond what I just said, I don't really have anything else to add to uh, to, to what Sarah and Mike said. I think they've described this decision as well as uh, possible. Well, that sets up a very interesting Elite Eight matchup. But the man who sold the world is moving on. And we are moving down to the next part of your bracket. We have got the three seed in bloom versus the six seed. You know, you're right. And you know, we have to start with Mike. So, as I said, I went back and re-listened to all these songs uh, shortly before this recording. just so I was, I was primed and, and, this one surprised me a little bit because I thought it was an absolute no-brainer. And but when I went and re-listened to You Know You're Right, which is the the song that they uh, put on their Nirvana Greatest Hits uh, album that came out 10 years after, uh, probably, I think it was 10 years after, after Comain died. Um, and that was when it came out. And it was like brand new Nirvana. It was, you know, pulled from their... Uh, you know, studio recordings that were unreleased and stuff like that. And it was one of those songs I remembered liking, not loving when I, when it first came out. And then I'm not a completist. So I never went and I, like, I, I I think I probably have an MP3 on my computer somewhere, but I never went and bought the Nirvana greatest hits album because I already owned almost all of that material on other albums. And I'm more of an albums guy anyway. I like the ebb and flow of albums and stuff like that. So it's one of those songs I had kind of forgotten about. And going back and re-listening to it, I, I'd forgotten how cool the build is initially. Like, it's just got the little plinking guitars and, like, suddenly, like, the, the instruments start building in. Novoselic's, you know, bass line starts trickling in, and then the drums kick in. It's, it's a really well-constructed song, and I still love the way 
Cobain yelps at the very end of the second verse in particular. Like his vocal performance on that is just absolutely fantastic and otherworldly. So this wasn't a slam dunk decision for me, but it's still going to In Bloom. In Bloom is such a classic song. And we were talking about like uh, Jeff, you know, mentioning some of uh some of Cobain's, you know, interesting lyrics and stuff like that. And what I love about In Bloom is the ver the the two verses, they don't seem they they kind of the lyrics seem disparate, but when you take the lines of those two verses and intersperse them, it actually has more of an arc to it, which it's an interesting way to construct the song. And it's one of those things that you look that you notice on like the 50th time listening to it, if if at all. Like it was one of those things I was just thinking suddenly kind of thinking way too much about songs, which is kind of what this is all about. And and no, notice that in Bloom is it's such a great song. Like you know, just it, the, I love like the the intro at the beginning with with the Dave Grohl hammering those drums. Ba 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 ba. You know, I mean it. Ah, uh, it's. Musically, it's great. Lyrically, it's fun. The chorus is a total banger. Uh, so I am giving my vote to In Bloom, and I'm going to shut up now so other people can talk. In Bloom picks up its first vote. Jeffrey, what do you think? Well, I actually, yeah, I mean, I had a difficult time with this one too. Um, again, when I went back and listened to everything uh, before this. I actually kind of ha almost had the inverse reaction of of of, uh, of Mike. I think uh, yeah, I, I've always really liked In Bloom. I listened to it and I still really liked it. And I listened to You Know You're Right, and man, I remember loving that song when it came out. And I think that just kind of came back to me that the the primal scream of the chorus for uh, uh, that uh, that the Cobain puts out there that uh, hey, that that there's something about how that hits and maybe it's that that you know you can feel Cobain's own frustration and anger and pain and whatever in his singing there so well, almost unlike anyone else that I can think of. I don't know how, who, what other vocalist could pull off uh, an absolute scream from the abyss like, like that other than Cobain. Uh, so I actually got to give this to, you know, you're right. I, I think it's uh it's a, a great song. That's uh underappreciated nowadays because of all of the other great songs in Nirvana's catalog, but it deserves a light shined on it. Um, and I'm glad that they rescued it from, uh, from the, uh, the oblivion of the, uh, recording tapes to, uh, to, to, to bring back out. So the only vote we've had for an upset so far tonight have both been from Jeff. Let's see if that trend continues. It is a one-to-one -one tie. Does anybody want to lodge a buzzer beater to sway Sarah one way or another? This is way too difficult a decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to make is, it any I've, easier. And I've already talked way too much. So, Sarah, the floor is yours. Apparently, independent women can have their own minds. Take us away. I'm a sheep. What are you talking about? Jeff, that that was beautiful, and that was eloquent, and everything that you said is probably correct. But when the opening line of the song is "Sell the kids for food," um, I, I just can't. I, I this one's a little tough, but I don't know. I I didn't have such the uh, the reaction that you did on it. it I did kind of have a couple moments of like oh you know you're right okay but i i love in bloom i love the lyrics for one thing they're just amazing and i don't know how many times in my life in general like when it stows every single time i'm like nature's such a whore and i just pick up the, these little pieces so i'm sorry but i have to go along with my what mike said that it's a banger and i've got to give my vote to in bloom 
In Bloom is moving on to the Elite Eight as Jeff continues to push that card towards the underdog. And the other people, the normies, keep pushing back. But you know what? We are going to have a chance here to make up some ground because we are moving on. Your two-seed of lithium is taking on the seven-seed of love buzz, and we are starting this with Jeff. So I was uh, listening to some of these songs while I was uh, feeding my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter dinner, and um, I started playing Love Buzz, which I legitimately never heard before. Like Before doing the listening for this bracket, I, I couldn't have even identified that song. It's probably the only one on this, this, this list that I hadn't heard before. <laughs> it comes on, that, that, that bass part that it starts out with, and that's, that's really prominent throughout it, comes on, uh, starts, uh, starts getting into its groove. Uh, I'm looking over at my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and she's just, like, headbanging, and she said, Rockin' Out! rocking out rocking out <laughs> it was the most adorable thing i think i've seen in a very long time <laughs> and unfortunately for dorothy <laughs> love buzz is up against an absolute leviathan of a song in lithium uh lithium was my karaoke jam for a long time uh i uh i loved being able to get up there and just scream yeah yeah i do it better in in a karaoke uh, uh environment sorry uh podcast listeners um lithium is just such a great great song uh can't say enough about it um i have uh i think feel like that that bridge part the uh i love you i'm not gonna crack it's I, there's something in it, it, again you know it, i talked about the primal scream from you know you're right the 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 amount of emotion and uh everything that cobain is able to just pour out into his singing is 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 amazing and lithium is kind of ground zero for that for me the only thing i will say though mike i am just deeply disappointed that you did not make lithium a three seed just so i could make the periodic table joke uh bad nerd bad nerd <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> I've, my vote's for lithium uh number three on the periodic table number two in this bracket number one in my heart <laughs> and lithium has picked up a vote as jeff literally gives a finger wag towards the bracket creator mr mike as we bring this over to sarah i'm a little disappointed in that too mike although me and the periodic table we all know where that ends up um yeah i i think my my favorite thing about going back and watching the live videos of this is Kurt Cobain's voice. So the things that he, the sounds that he can make and the beauty when he's just yelling is a lot different than when I'm yelling and when any other person and even Lake of Fire, that intro to me was just amazing because these aren't edited. They're not like musicians today that they can't even sing like everything's just done in a recording studio this was him and lithium was just one of those songs I'm, I'm actually starting to get like a little panicky because <laughs> i'm seeing the choices that we have to make further on and even the next uh, the other side of the bracket and I'm, I'm actually getting anxiety from this because i think love buzz is good and it's right but it, it's not going to beat lithium to me it's another one like smells like teen spirit that it just comes on and you just rock the shit out of that chorus and you're free and you feel good and just everything about it makes me feel good so my vote is for lithium lithium's got a two to nil lead mike do we have a sweep this one was surprisingly tough for me going back and listening to both these songs um it had been a really long time since I'd re-listened to Love Buzz, and I forgot how much I love that song musically. 
like like that bass the bass like do 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 like I love I love the way the bass sounds on that and those little guitar licks it does that that that, that like descending guitar lick uh it's it is so good it it perfectly captures early Nirvana Cobain's you know vocals he wasn't doing the on this song, at least, not doing the – you certainly did it on on a lot of the other songs of Bleach. But on this song, for the most part, he doesn't really do the uh, the throat-shredding screams that he does. Um, and and Col- side note, but Cobain, like, I feel like so many bands now – they <laughs> Cobain, man, Cobain, they just scream. Like, there's there's no – singing and the screaming in a lot of a lot of bands when they try to do the scream now cobain was one was such a rare talent that was able to do both uh that's a total side note there's just something that popped into my head because both of what they said is absolutely right about lithium i'm just i'm trying to give a love buzz a little love because get it love um this really is a good song it's really um it's representative of like er, that early nirvana first album sort of thing you know cobain's vocals in this case are a little more of the 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 jaded variety of Cobain's like uh, you, you know what I mean it's it's so it doesn't it does ultimately lack the power of a lithium uh which I'm going to start calling helium since I made it a two seed uh, no um you're you're absolutely right Jeff I totally missed that opportunity and uh I will I may never forgive myself no I I really like Love Buzz it it made it difficult for me and I almost want to pick it just to give it a little love but i can't lithium is such a fantastic song and we'll be talking about it in the next round so i'm going to vote to move it on and uh i know chris mentioned that uh haven't been a whole lot of votes for uh the lower seated upset so far just wait to the other side of this bracket well if we have any listeners left they're gonna have to but lithium is moving on and ladies and gentlemen, that's going to bring us to the top right section of our bracket. We are back to our number one seeds. Your number one seed, Come As You Are versus the eight seed of Dumb. And it would be dumb if we started with anyone other than Sarah with this pick. Maybe, maybe. This one, I'm mad at this matchup because this one is difficult. I don't think that Dumb should be an eight seed. I, I think I could replace some other songs on this list. And this one's hard, right? Because Come As You Are is also probably one of their most other popular songs. But I personally really like Dumb. And if I, since I'm going first, I'm going to take my stake out of this game and give it some love. I think Come As You, I don't think that there's a wrong choice here. And maybe it's just me personally that I like Dumb. Not because I am dumb, but just just the song in general, it works with me. And Come As You Are does too. But if if you're looking for an upset from me on this vote, if I I've heard Come As You Are so much that I think given the choice, I'd probably put Dumb on first uh, before Come As You Are. And that and maybe that's just because it's not as popular. But I I also think it's a great song. So. I'm going to be a backward on this one and I'm, I'm going to give some love to dumb and I think it should be higher than an eight seed. Well, the eight seed of dumb has a lead on the one seed of come as you are. As we bring this over to Mike. I I actually kind of agree with Sarah. I was, uh, I was, as I was doing the bracket, I was, as I like said, I think I said said before that I was basing it primarily on Spotify listening data, and um, I remember being surprised. Like I'm getting further and further down. I'm like, I haven't hit dumb yet. This is weird um, because I was I was genuinely surprised. I would have expected it to be a little bit of a higher seed. Um, both of these, this is an interesting matchup for me. Both these songs, I think my favorite moment of the songs were what I would call happy accidents in the studio. Uh, in the case of dumb, it's the moment where and. Oh, by the way, imagine any major studio album doing this now. But my favorite moment in Dumb is when Cobain's voice cracks in the second verse and they just leave it in. It's so good because it perfectly captures just really the essence of the of the song and the emotion behind it. Uh, and my favorite moment in Come As You Are is when uh, right before the final chorus, when 
you just hear the backing vocals sing the part about don't have a gun. That was a total accident. He came in a measure too early and they loved it and left it in. And it's great. Um, you know, obviously the, the, uh, I think the, the chorus of come as you are like the whole thing about, I swear, I don't have a gun. That's actually a funny lyric. It's unfortunately been made much more sad and, and poignant by what happened after it. But like, it's like, basically the essence of the song is like, come as you are. I swear I don't have a gun. Like what, what's the worst that can happen? I love that sentiment behind that song. And it's, it, it to me captures that kind of sardonic humor that Cobain always put in a lot of his lyrics, especially on uh, the first two albums. Um, I really like dumb too. Of course the, uh, I think the violin on dumb is majestic and beautiful. It's, it's a great, Great song. It's it is unfortunate it is that it is probably a little underseated. I say that as the person, the schmuck who made the bracket. But I, again, I was basing it on data. I really need to stop doing that. <laughs> Maybe trust my opinions a little more. But um, so it, but it is. It did get a rough draw with "Come as You Are." I can't vote against "Come as You Are." I love that song. Uh, I'm going to put it into Jeff's hands, and we'll see how it plays out. Well, as your host feels dumb and he has to use Webster's Dictionary to find out what the word sardonic means, we have a one-to-one tie, and that is open for buzzer beaters from Sarah and Mike. Does anybody want to lock one in here? You don't give me anything to work with here, are you? <laughs> Jeff, my friend, you are smart enough, not dumb. You are definitely smart enough to make this choice on your own. Which one's going to the Elite Eight? Ooh. I, I mean, everything that Sarah and Mike have, have said before is very, very true. This is these are this is a matchup between two great songs. Um one with a decent amount of uh of personal history for me. Uh Come As You Are, actually. I have uh among the few times that my two weeks shy of 13 year old daughter has allowed me to, uh, um, yeah, I know. Right. Mike, uh, <laughs> has, has allowed me to jam with her on the guitar. Uh, come as you are was the song we played. Um, dumb is such a uncharacteristically pretty song for Nirvana. It's a, a song that where they really go against type, they are they made their fame from well uh, being at the forefront of a movement called grunge. Uh, they were uh, um, gritty and raw, and uh, Cobain's emotions tended to come out in screams, as I've mentioned, or uh, plaintive cries. Dumb is something very, very different. Uh, and I like that. I, 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 that's something about that has always appealed to me. Um, also, of course, the, uh, you know, uh, probably in terms, it has the most often quoted lyric in Nirvana's catalog, probably, and the sun is gone, but I have a light. Um, I think because of how how much it takes to really go uh to to take everything that you're famous for and go against type and execute it so well um i've got to give it to dumb here and with that in the opening round of this bracket the one seed come as you are is out dumb is moving on to the elite 8 And I have a feeling some of you are saying that about Jeff and Sarah. And I would caution you to remember, one, this job ain't easy. Two, these guys aren't paid. And three, we have been drinking. Dumb moves on as we bring this over. Your four versus five matchup. The four seed about a girl taking on your five seed of drain you. And if you're not tired of hearing him talk already, we are going to bring this over to Mike. Uh, so I, did, I didn't specify uh, when I put about a girl on this bracket because I feel like probably the more well-known performance of about a girl is off the MTV Unplugged album. The one that I'm personally more apt to listen to is actually just the studio recording, um, which and I think they're both – 
great versions of the song. Uh, I really, I do like about a girl a lot. Drain You is probably my favorite song off Nevermind and maybe my favorite Nirvana song. I love Drain You. I love the way it just starts off. It pulls you right out of your seat. It rips into the chorus. One baby, two. Like, I mean, it's so good. And then it hits that wall and everything like just and like everything just drops out. I like kind of slowly build the song back up through the bridge and then rip through it one more time. It is so musically interesting and it. I love the way that Cobain sings it. Uh, that's I know that's a recurring theme throughout this. Uh, About a Girl was, uh, you know, it's very early Nirvana. He was still finding his voice. It's a very good song. It was really the closest they had to a poppier sounding song off of Bleach, I would say. I don't want to take anything away from it. It didn't have any uh, chance against Drain You for me in this round. Uh, I'm giving my vote to Drain You. Drain you has picked up a vote. We're going to bring this over to Sarah. No, to Jeff. Sorry, Jeffrey, you're up. Look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for catchy, okay? I am. Uh, I can appreciate everything that Mike said about the musicianship and the, uh, the, the composition and the, uh, the, the aggressive power of Drain You. But about a girl is so goddamn catchy. <laughs> it's 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 just it's earworm in a <laughs> in a can. It is either version, even though I, I think I prefer the bleach version. Uh, but they're both just they're they're catchy and fun and almost bouncy and. Again, you know, just like with the with the last matchup where I gave dumb credit for being a side of nirvana that that was maybe different from what came before that about a girl is is uh, a kind of bouncier upbeat nirvana that is very different from what came after that so again i i think uh, uh i'm a sucker for catchy i'm sorry i gotta go with about a girl <laughs> About a girl picked up a vote. And speaking of talking about a girl, we're going to go over to the one girl on the show, Sarah. Before you cast your vote, it is a one-to-one tie, and that means it's buzzer beater time. Mike or Jeff, is there anything else you want to say to Sarah? Well, I just want to quote Kurt Cobain and say, I've never met a wise man, but if so, it's a woman. So I'm trusting Sarah to make the right choice here. Sarah, give us your opinion. Oh, I told you I was getting panicky. Um, and and this is the other one that watching the live had changed my mind. The intro to Drain You is my favorite Nirvana intro. It be smells like teen spirit. It it gets you and it catches you and it sucks you in. And I don't think that there's a better intro to any of their songs. About a girl is pretty much like the nicest Nirvana song you're ever going to get. It's not, it it actually is respectful toward women. Um, And not that he he was terribly bad about it, but it's almost like if you, if you read the lyrics, it's almost like a, a pretty decent relationship. And it is the catcher of the songs. And, um, I really wish that one of you had done a buzzer beater on this. <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like I Mike initially... did. What? I feel like Mike did do a buzzer beater on this. He did. I he did. I initially had marked drain you. I think the introduction it, it doesn't get any better than that. It, like I said, every time it, it comes on you hear it in a second, you're there. You're ready. You're ready for Nirvana. Although I do want to give mad respect to About a Girl. And I think in a different matchup, it, you know, it may have fared a little bit better. I think it is a quote-unquote romantic Nirvana song. Take that for what it is. But uh, if I have to do it, I'm going to vote for Drain You. Well, the second upset in a row as the five seed Drain You says they'd rather hear about a boy than about a girl. Drain You moves on, and we are moving this down. We have got 
your three seed all apologies taking on your six seed of Polly. And we are starting this off with let me do some math here. Carry the three. Jeff. This is an interesting matchup to me. Uh both of these songs are 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 kind of fascinating to me. All apologies. Uh I think it's it's the one that uh you know got played and played and played in the aftermath of uh Kurt Cobain's death and I think basically everybody and their little sister started to comb through this song in particular for some sort of a uh you know, uh, you know, maybe we should have you know, seen what was coming sort of thing or whatever. I don't know. All Apologies is, is a, 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 uh, a good song about, you know, exasperation with being yourself that, uh, that, you know, honestly, we all feel from time to time. It's up against a song that starts, Polly wants a cracker. I think I should get off her first, which is a hell of a way to start a song. <laughs> and it really kind of degenerates from there. <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, it's not a, a happy or positive song. I think, uh, um, you know, Sarah was mentioning how, you know, the uh, positive and, uh, and upbeat about a relationship about a girl was. Polly is, like, literally the exact opposite. <laughs> it is... Uh, um, downright creepy in many ways um so i've gone back and forth on this a, a lot um but i kind of think at the end of the day i maybe prefer the creepy pasta of polly to the uh um the exasperation of all apologies so i'm, I'm gonna have to have to embrace my inner creep and uh and and vote for Polly on this one. <laughs> As I remind our listeners that we even though we're talking about the word creep, we will be doing our Stone Tail Pilots version of this mini bracket later. We're gonna bring it over to Sarah. Now I feel like I need an adult. Um this was a weird matchup for me too, and I I agree with Jeff. Polly is disturbing to me, and I, I never really got around to it. I, I can never really bring myself to come around and embrace that song for what it is. The The lyrics are tel- terrible. I envision some sort of kidnapping tied up girl situation. And maybe that's just how I'm interpreting it, but it always disturbed me a little bit. And it, it's a slower of the song that I can't, I just can't really get into. So as cliche as it is, I gonna go all apologies on this one i will turn it on any other time and and not polly and like i said that just it disturbs me maybe i'm interpreting it incorrectly but i'm a creeper but polly's not my creeper jam so all apologies all apologies picked up a vote we are tied one to one are there buzzer beaters out there for mike as he ironically wrings his hands not sure what he's going to say I don't think I could defend my choice without coming off as even more of a creep. (laughs) (laughs) So I am not going to. (laughs) Jeff, if it helps, the first thing that I'm going to say is bad. (laughs) So the the other day. uh, Oh, no. The other day, my daughter asked for a cracker. And my um, uh, immediately, without thinking, I sang, Abby wants a cracker. And I was like, no, my God, no, what's wrong with you? And so I immediately changed to, Abby wants a cracker. And then she goes, oh, like the bird. And I was like, yes, okay. (laughs) We've glossed over that. It's it's just because I've listened to this album so many times, the song so many times, it was ingrained in my head that way. I was like, oh, God, that was, yeah, that's that's such a terrible thing. But um, in essence, that means that uh, to a certain extent, I've written parodies of both of these songs. But um, the only one that I've actually written a complete parody of is actually All Apologies, because uh, I wrote it in college. And it was because it was the springtime and I was sneezing a lot. And so I wrote a song called Damn These Allergies that was a parody of All Apologies. My How God, much so must good. I sneeze 
damn these allergies, et cetera, et cetera. Mike, I'll have you know that I still sing ragweed. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that was the chorus. Ragweed, nosebleed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. My allergy problems, thankfully, have gotten a little bit better. No, uh, I actually am going to kind of agree with Sarah here. I know that Polly has a little bit of, uh, I guess, notoriety in the Nirvana um, pantheon. And I, I actually did. I should give give Polly a little bit of a shout out during my very brief uh, grunge songwriting phase of the latter unexpectedly sober days. I pretty much completely cribbed the riff of, of Polly with a slightly different uh, key for one of those songs. Uh, so it is a really cool riff. Like, I, I like... I dig the the basic like dee 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 like I like the I like the walk it up walk it back riffage of Polly. It's very cool. All apologies, I think ultimately is the better song. I think it's got the better lyrics, and I love the way I love the way that it outros with him just repeatedly going all the all the all. I think it's so good. Uh, for the record, my in my parody, it was all in all. Can't wait for fall. <laughs> Neither here nor there, but no, I am going to, uh, I am going to give my vote to all apologies here. I like, I like Polly because of where it fits in the Nevermind album. Like you've had basically five ragers and then all of us, I'm pretty sure it's the sixth track if I'm not mistaken. And it's all of a sudden, it's just a, you know, basic, like a, pretty much just Tim and an acoustic guitar. Uh, so it's a cool song in that sense. Um, and it's a cool song overall, but to me, all apologies, definitely the winner here. Well, I have good news. She was able to find some water and put out the blowtorch as we move all apologies on to the Elite Eight. And there's a very small subset of you that appreciated my joke. (laughs) If you've listened this far to the podcast, it's probably, or to this episode, it's probably most of you. (laughs) And that brings us to our last pick of the night, and I will tell all three of our panelists here, there is a correct answer in this. Is it going to be the two-seed heart-shaped box or the seven-seed of aneurysm? And we are starting with Sarah. Chris, I'm going to do you a uh, favor here. I don't know your favorite. I believe I'm going to pick the right answer. I I love heart-shaped box. I do. Um, aneurysm's a little a little fast for me. I almost I could see where they get the name from, uh, but. Given these two choices, I I love Heart Shaped Box because there's so many variations of what people think the song is about, too. And uh, Courtney Love's come out and said a few things about it. But I, I will, I'm going to go with Heart Shaped Box. I hope it's the right answer on this because we don't want a poly situation later. But I feel like Heart Shaped Box is my answer. Heart Shaped Box picks up its first vote as we bring this over to Mike. I really like both of these songs, actually. Um, a heart-shaped box, like I love the it, the the way that the riff just kind of drifts in, and you know, then and then like the lyrics are like, what you don't even know what it completely, what completely he's saying. But I mean, that's like I guess a lot of Nirvana songs, but you kind of gel with it and groove with it. Um, but I really like aneurysm. I love the way that it kind of like. It, it riffs hard and then it kind of scales back like a little bit and you know the bass line comes in and then all of a sudden you hear Cobain coming come on over like it's great like I love that um there is a very big part of me that wants to vote for aneurysm here and I think against a lot of other songs in this bracket I'd have been able to do it I don't think I can with Heart Shaped Box. Heart Shaped Box is just too good. Uh, it is, I think, probably the song that most people are drawn to most out of the songs on In Utero, which is why it's the highest seated song off of that album. And we'll talk more about it later. Uh, Heart Shaped Box, moving on. Jeff, do we have a sweep? So I... I... I think Kurt Cobain, when uh, Heart Shape Box came out and he was asked to explain the lyrics, uh, chose to tell everyone that it was about kids with cancer. And <laughs> That's such a that is the thing. biggest load of shit I have ever heard. 
<laughs> Kurt Cobain was that was was clearly in a bullshitty mood at that when he gave that interview because man <laughs> that, that song is about so many things so many has so many layers to it none of which are kids with cancer uh, <laughs> um I like aneurysm. Uh, to me, it feels a little bit like a Sonic Youth song got lost and found its way into Nirvana's catalog. Uh, which, again, that doesn't make it a bad song. It just makes it not a great Nirvana song. Uh, whereas um, Heart Shaped Box is a great Nirvana song. Uh, and so I have to, yes, give it the sweep. Heart-shaped box picks up the sweep as sweeps will bookend the Sweet 16 for the best Nirvana song ever made. Just to recap, uh, coming up in our next episode, the Elite Eight will consist of Smells Like Teen Spirit taking on the man who sold the world. In Bloom versus Lithium. Good luck making these choices, ladies and gentlemen. Dumb versus Drain You. And then All Apologies taking on Heart-shaped box. Don't forget, find the Boozy Bracketology podcast anywhere you get podcasts. If you want to interact with us, Instagram or Facebook, Boozy Bracketology, Twitter at Boozy Brackets. You can always email us, boozybracketology at gmail.com. If you say have a bracket you want us to do, or if you want to be in a part of a bracket, we are happy to have you. Neither here nor there for the Boozy Bracketology Podcast. I have been your host, Chris. I'm Jeff. I have been Sarah. And I'm Mike. We will see you next time. Have a good one, everyone.